I think one of the biggest things I've learned in my career is how important your energy is. Because I've never been the most talented creator. Honestly, that's just a great way to go through life, right? Like just staying curious. Figuring out how to deal with my anxiety and panic disorder was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like how do we future-proof what we do, you know, so we can continue to do what we love. I ain't trying to get between you. I'm just trying to get between you. John Brandon Cruz. Yes. Commercial director, editor, motion graphics artist. Been doing this for 13 plus years. Mm -hmm. And you've worked with everyone from The Rock to Will Smith to Selena Gomez to John Krasinski. I mean... Che Mitchell, Pitbull. Oof, damn. Yeah. I worked for Shea for a couple years. I worked for Pitbull for a couple years. The Rock now coming up on four. Um, Will Smith for a couple years. So just kind of been in like the content creator space for big celebrities for a while. How did you get into that? How did you get started? Like how deep do we want to go? I want to go deep. Deep? Okay. <laughs> um, so I moved to Los Angeles from Texas when I was young, like 10 years old. Mm -hmm. My father was a, um, he was on the radio in Texas and he got a job literally up the street from here at NBC as a uh, television news reporter. So when we moved out here, um, he would pick me up from school in the news van. And so every day after school, like, you know, all these kids were getting picked up in their nice cars and then this big ass NBC, like, prehistoric looking news van would pull up and my dad would slide open the door and be like, come in, we're gonna go drive around LA. And like, he would basically do his work and I would be in the back seat, like watching him, you know, be a reporter basically. Yeah. And it was kind of through osmosis of seeing him interview people and create these stories. And this was like before social media, but they would have to like flip a story the same day. So I saw like how quickly you could piece together, you know, like a short story and it would have to go up on the news that night. Um, so I just kind of like fell in love with it then. And then I actually went to school for architecture, but when I graduated from school, the, the architecture industry was like collapsing. This was right around the uh, 2008 financial crisis. So I got home from college and I asked my dad, like, dad, what should I do? Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get a job. And he was like, I can give you an old camera we have and why don't you just, you know, all the things you saw me do, like, would you be interested in getting into, you know, learning how to make videos? And I was kind of like, at first I was like, I don't want to do what my dad did, but you know, I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And he was super supportive. And so basically um, I just started really small locally in Los Angeles. Like I started reaching out to, I was going to this poetry lounge. Um, so I didn't was, even know we had those. It was, it was <laughs> awesome. Like it, this was like, this was like 2000, maybe like nine, 2010. And this poetry lounge, it's on Fairfax, mm -hmm. but like people like Kanye West and common and these like huge hip hop artists would come through and do poetry. And it was $5 to get in. And oh it, was, my God. it was so fucking cool. Like I would, I was living with my parents and I would drive into LA and I would see these poets and it was like, I was exposed to the, just this such raw energy from these poets. So I had a camera and I was like, why don't, why don't I start asking them if they want their 
like poems recorded. So for a little while, I was making these like busted ass videos for these poets. Like <laughs> there was like one time where I didn't even press record. <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing, but I basically, I basically just started that way. And I was putting together these little videos. And then, um, and then one day my dad's like, you know, you should find like a lane that you can run in, like find a space where you can make a name for yourself. And it just, it just came to me right there. I was like, I'm going to, I want to pursue music because I was just really into music and I wanted to travel. So like on the spot, I was like, all right, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to pursue music. And I started reaching out to like a lot of different artists and musicians on Facebook. And I think I sent like 50 messages and like one or two responded. See, that's how much hustle and persistence oh, you yeah. have to have. Yeah. yeah. Especially when you're younger too, you have that, like you should lean into that energy you have when you're young where you just will, like I had so much enthusiasm to you're just- You're not afraid to fail. Yeah. And, and you can just, there's like no presumptions. You're just like, all right, I'm just going to like knock on every door possible. It's scary how we lose that as we get older. And I keep trying to tap into that now because I see everyone in Gen Z just going for it yeah. and killing it. But I want to go back to your story. We can get to No, that. but that's a beautiful point. And um, yeah, we can talk more about that. But um, there's also something too, just to double up on that, is that people, when you're young and you're knocking on doors, people like want you around because they want young people around. So that's why I think like when you're first getting started, it's to say you're just starting as a content creator, you're like 17, 18, you're enthusiastic about it. Like people want that youthful energy as long as you're respectful. True. But anyways, um, this one band got back to me. They were called Mansions on the Moon and they were being sort of like helmed by Pharrell Williams. Mm. So they're like, hey, if you want to come on the road with us, we can, um, we can like, basically bring you we're not going to pay you but if you want to make little videos for us you know it can be exposure for you were you not worried about money at the time so one thing i didn't really touch on um was that my dad and i were also making videos together we had like a little little side hustle production company together so during the week i would work with him like making these videos for like local dentists and lawyers and stuff like yeah. the most boring corporate shit but then on the weekends i would go do like the poetry or the music stuff so i wasn't like super worried about making a ton of money because i was contributing to like my household by working with my dad yeah so it would like you know we'd get a video deal and then it would like earn me a little space to do my own thing on the side yeah but it was kind of stressful because there were times where we were you know, again, this was like when the economy collapsed. So like there was a point in time where my family was struggling and I felt guilty about like going and doing my own side projects. So anyways, getting back to the music thing, um, I toured with this band Mansions on the Moon, which ended up leading me to touring with this other group called Pack Div. And then I just slowly like worked my way up the music rung and I ended up getting into like the EDM space back in like 2011, 2012. So I've made videos with like Skrillex and Avicii before he wow. passed away. Yeah, Dead Mouse. Um, I was like super into EDM. I loved it. I still love it. And um, so that that whole culture like exploded right when I started working in it. 
And so I made videos in the EDM space for a while. And then eventually I just was like, I kind of, oh, and then, then I worked for Pitbull for a couple of years, which after I did that, I was like, I think I'm kind of done with music. Why? I just, I just felt like I wanted to try something different. Like I basically for years spent all of my time in and out of like venues and bars. And I was like, I want to do something different. Yeah. So then I tapped into like the lifestyle space and I reached out to, I took all the footage I had made, all those music connections I made and I made a reel and I was sending it around and um, Shay Mitchell's team, you know who Shay Mitchell is, the actress? Yeah. They saw the reel and she needed somebody to do her content. So then I went and worked for her for a couple of years and her boyfriend, Matt, was like an old friend of mine. And then we traveled the world like making content and she had a pretty popular YouTube channel and I was making these travel videos for her that started to get like a ton of views called Shaycation. It was super fun and I'm like so grateful for the opportunity. And that those videos are what got my work noticed by like Will Smith's team. And then I started working with Will and then within like a couple of months, the Rocks team hit me up and they're like, hey, do you wanna come do this shoot? Um, and I did the shoot and then it was like literally the next week they were like, do you want to get jump on a plane? Like he's going to go here and go here and go here and you want to do all this content. And I was like, absolutely. Book me for everything. Oh my so, God. And you then were it was, ready to go. Yeah. And then it was like four years just up to, up to now. That's like how it's all, that's the journey. So working with him for the last like four years on his content. And then at the same time I started my own production company where I build teams to make social content for like feature films and other celebrities and stuff like that. And just using all the connections I've made over the years to like make these micro content teams and still keeping everything very lean. Like I've never been on the side of production that is big, you know, studio production. Everything we do is like small cameras, two or three people, you know. But I feel like that's what everyone's watching now. I mean, we're that's all on what our phones. So. That's what it is now for sure. Yeah. I mean, even now, like, you know, and I've been having this conversation lately with a lot of my peers between the ubiquity of cell phones and the emergence of all this new technology. I've been talking to my friends like, guys, we have to we have to be ready to adapt because there's a lot of work that I'm, you know, being totally truthful. Like a lot of people now are just like, well, we'll just do it on an iPhone. And then there's, and then now I see all this new tech, which is going to get rid of a lot of, I think it, it runs the potential of edging out a lot of people in the creative space that I'm just like talking to my friends about like, how do we future proof what we do, you know, so we can continue to do what we love. Like yeah. I shot a premiere, um, a movie premiere this week for the movie um, Air. It's like a movie about the story of Nike. Mm -hmm. And... Um, half the time I was just shooting on my phone because I was just like, this is easier. And actually now there's like an aesthetic to iPhones that people prefer. Really? Yeah. Wouldn't you guys say like, there's something about the look of an iPhone. There's like a visual language to the footage of an iPhone that I think people see it and they immediately think that it's relatable. You have to show me the difference because all I'm thinking about is like, I don't know, I guess, to like front facing TikToks mm -hmm. is what I see a lot of when it comes to iPhones, but I don't, I don't know. I feel like the the high definition cameras <laughs> obviously look 
better, more cinematic. How old are you though? Am I allowed to? Okay, yeah, you guys. So that. you're like you're like of my generation. We we grew up aspiring to use things that looked that way. And the younger kids, they don't want any filters. They just want iPhone footage. Okay. Like they actually don't even like filters. I don't know. Someone was telling me that the other day that don't put filters on. Just take iPhone photos raw and use that. That's what you should be sharing. Really? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of schools of thought about this stuff. I think it really depends on who you're trying to target, like what demo demographic you're going after. But generally, I think more people are just, I mean, TikTok is mostly just iPhone stuff. You know, it's, it's because the psychology of like when you're scrolling on your phone and you come across something that looks too polished, you immediately feel like you're being sold an ad. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, think about it. Because then you're like, oh, I'm being marketed to. No one wants to feel like their time is being monetized what by like think, a third party company. What do you think people want to feel? I think when they're scrolling on their phone, they want to feel like they're connecting with somebody in a raw and authentic way. And they want to feel like they're in on whatever story. That's why like you see a lot of people who are really successful where they sort of on social media, they play the role of like, I'm not fully the expert, I'm kind of learning with you. Yeah. And then that makes you feel like, oh, great. This person is is like not perfect. Neither am I. So let's go on this journey together as opposed to like, here's my perfect video, my perfect life. Then it's like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Yeah. You know? I feel like that. I feel like that's part of my job where it's like I'm not I'm never the expert. I'm always the person asking the questions. And it makes my content relatable for that reason, too. So that's a really good point. That's great. And I mean, honestly, that's just a great way to go through life. Right. Like just staying curious, basically going into all situations, like even if you think you have the answer, assume you don't know. Yeah. And just be curious. Or assume that you may be wrong about something. Yeah, which is like yeah. a lot of the time. Well, yeah, a lot <laughs> Most of the, of the time. time. Yeah. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit moonpay.com to get started. I feel like you're very humble for what you are. For, oh, where, really? for where you've come, yeah. Oh, I appreciate sure. that. Yeah, I don't think I've... I don't know. I'm just not... Like, I feel confident in myself, but I just find, like, I enjoy life more when I'm just a bit gent gentler with people and softer about things. And I think there were times in my life where I tried to be like, I don't know, Hard. like the more aggro, <laughs> like fucking, you know, I'm the cool guy, but it just, it's not me. It works for some people, but it's just not my personality. Yeah, no, I feel that. You know? Um, you, you've worked with the biggest creators in the world. It's weird to call them creators. Actors, singers, yeah. musicians. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess creator is the broad term for, for what, we're all doing now because mm -hmm. of how much content there is. But what do you feel like you've learned over the years? And I know that's a, bro a broad question, but I mean, when you think about like working with Will Smith, working with Selena Gomez, you must have, have learned something from each of those experiences. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, what is, I mean, what does that question even make you think? There's a lot I've learned. Um, I actually am writing a script for like a really long video that I want to make basically 
it'll be like an hour long YouTube video of everything I did in my career to get where I am. Wow. But as I've been writing it, I've been thinking about some of like what you're saying. And I think, um, I wish I had memorized it, but I sort of like wrote this formula for what I think luck is. Um, obviously it's talent is part of like when a lucky moment lands in your lap, which has, which I've been, you know, fortunate to have a couple of those. It's obviously like being talented as part of it. But I think one of the biggest things I've learned in my career is how important your energy is. Cause I've never been the most talented creator. Like I'd say truthfully, and this isn't me just like trying to be humble, be humble. It's yeah. true. It's true. Like straight up. The truth is that I feel like I'm kind of like a middle of the road creator. Like I'm better than some people. I see their work and I'm like, oh, I could do better than that. But like half the stuff I see, I'm like, that person is way more talented than me at, just at the video part. So what I've learned is that getting through those doors and getting these relationships going and getting these opportunities is so much about just how you show up energetically, you know, and like being the person that shows up to a set or to a shoot and is just like radiating this energy that you're so like, this is the best day of your life, you know? And like, you have to try to tap into that. Like something I do is before I go onto a set, like I'll meditate in my car or like just wherever I can find a quiet spot and I'll just have a conversation with myself. Like, all right, you, you're lucky to be in this situation. You know, like you have worked really hard to get here. There've been a lot of people that have sacrificed to give you these opportunities. Like how much sacrifice my parents made, everything. Like. I think about that whole journey before I go into a room. So that way I don't ever like go into that room and just treat it like it's just another day. You know, it's gotta be like something really special. That's so powerful. I do that with myself too. I feel like even when I come in here and every time like I get a compliment about the studio or oh, you're so lucky that you have a team and all of that. Like, I'm like, damn, I'm really grateful to have this. Like I did not have this a year ago. Yeah. You know, isn't that, isn't that incredible? Yeah. And we is. just, we get so like, we just get so used to what we have, you know, like I have to remind myself like working with these people was my dream for a long time. And that's not to say you can't like get to a dream and then want something different and like something else to grow in new ways. Like I think we're always seeking growth. You never, you will, you know, that's what the name of my production company is called process is the prize because you will never arrive at a place where you're like, okay, cool, like this is it, like I'm good now. It just doesn't happen. I mean, I don't know, it's never happened for me and a lot of my peers, it just doesn't ever happen for them. So when you sort of like internalize that, then you say, okay, well then if, if the day-to-day -day menial, sometimes mundane shit is gonna make up 99% of my journey, then I better learn how to just like love that part of what I'm doing. Otherwise, like, what's the point? Amen. That was beautifully said. Yeah. You better love what you have. You better learn yeah. to love what you have. Yeah. And just love like the day to day shit that sometimes you think is boring because there's joy in the mundane. But you have to you have to like it's all perspective, right? It's all in how you frame it. So I think that's like a long roundabout way of answering your question that I think part of the reason some of these folks um, have kept me around is because I think I bring some of that energy to the projects I work on. And 
you know, it's it's not to say I don't have bad days where like I'm kind of like an asshole or something. <laughs> it, it happens. But um, I think that that's just as much as the video side. I'm always like thinking about the energy of like a, of a team and like how to how to help people like feel really good about what they're working on. Um, what you do essentially is storytelling. Mm -hmm. What are some of the stories that you feel like have been the most powerful that you've told through your work over the years? Um, because if anybody looks through your Instagram, for example, yeah, it's a lot of like motivational stuff, right. especially when it comes to like the rock. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a lot of like, uh. Mm -hmm. And yeah, what what are some of the stories that you feel like you've told that have been the most powerful? I mean, I don't know if this is gonna sound weird, but I think sharing my own story has been really powerful because of what I've experienced with my own like mental health journey. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna ask about that next. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, I've made some really awesome stories about my clients. But at the end of the day, like, they're telling their own stories, too, on their social media and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think people follow you because they want to connect with you, you know, a lot of times. Um, and just me opening up about having panic attacks and struggling with anxiety, I think, has helped a lot of creators who maybe are also experiencing similar stuff and they just don't even know where to begin. And also like showing that you can still have a career and work through those things. You know, like I'm, I'm quote unquote, I've reached like what many would consider to be like the pinnacle of social media content creator exactly. journey. And you know, there was a point in my life, like while there at that point, there was a point in my life six months ago when I couldn't like leave my own apartment. Because I was having yeah, panic attacks. You were telling me, so you were working with The Rock, mm -hmm. and then you felt you, ha you were having so many panic attacks yeah. that you're like, I need to actually go talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, since I was a teenager, I've, like, on and off struggled with panic attacks. And um, it wasn't until last year that it got so bad that I was like, I need to stop everything in my life to figure out what this is. Like, it's something that had been with me for like 20 years. And, you know, we don't always know what it is about a person that causes them to experience something like panic disorder. Um, a lot of times it's just the way the paths in your brain are wired. It could be something that, you know, there's lots of schools of thought on this and I'm not like a medical professional, but in doing my own research, it could be something that happened to you or, you know, past trauma, some people say. I think for me, honestly, it just came from I was a super anxious kid and I had a panic attack when I was young. And they kind of like you kind of you kind of develop like post-traumatic stress mm. around it. And then you start to get more th when you think about it. And so last year it just got really bad when I was working and I basically just had to go to the people I was working with and be like, I need to take time away because I'm you know not well and they were receptive to that yeah yeah they were super supportive and like at the time I was traveling with the rocks team and I just told everyone I was like I think I just need to take a break and figure out what's going on 
and they were all just like so supportive through the whole journey, which was amazing. But yeah, like I basically just took, it took me about two months before I was able to get back to work. But in that two months, I just did a ton of work learning about like what panic disorder is and how to work through it. How did you work through it? I found some coaches and books online that changed my life. They like gave me my life back. So I'll say both of them. One is a guy named Drew Lensalata, who wrote a book called The Anxious Truth. And then there's another guy named Barry McDonough who wrote a book called Dare. And I forget, it's Dare, like the, like the new way to deal with panic attacks or something. Mm. Those books were, they, they gave me my life back. Like reading those books taught me what I was experiencing. It was basically not like, I'm not dying, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with me. It's basically just my brain has learned some bad habits that I need to unlearn. And so I just needed to step away from like the crazy fast paced like work life I had been in so that I could just focus on that. But it had gone from like one week being, you know, traveling all over the world to the next week not being able to like leave my own apartment. I was struggling to do just basic day to day stuff. Yeah, I remember you were telling me that you would wake up and you're like, okay, today we're just going to go to the supermarket. Yeah. Okay. So. I mean, we can talk about this stuff. Like, basically, what I learned in my recovery process was something called graduated exposure therapy, which is what I needed to experience, which is just, there. again, there's a lot of schools of thought on how to deal with anxiety and panic disorder. The one that resonated with me was, like, exposing myself to fear. So I, I was developing like almost like agoraphobia. Like I didn't want to leave my apartment because I would, it would trigger panic. So I just every day I'd be like, okay, for the next week, all we're going to do is like go to the grocery store or we're just going to go downstairs to grab the mail and then we'll walk, around the, we'll walk around the building once. And then it was like, did that for two or three weeks. And it was like, all right, now we're going to go back to the gym. And it's just like having these conversations with myself and just small wins adding up. And so when I started sharing that stuff online, because I was like kind of through the process sharing some of it, I got like hundreds of messages from other creators that were like, I have panic attacks when I work and, you know, this is something I'm struggling with. And so I just I just felt the power in talking about it, you know, and, and, and also not just like, oh, feel bad for me or something like here's what I'm doing to to get better, like actually sharing some of the tools. Yeah, I talk about this all the time. I might have said this to you where, first of all, most people struggle with something mental health related. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy that some of it is still stigmatized. That's one. Two, the narrative I hear from people mostly when they like go to a therapist or whatever is the therapist tells them, you will survive this. And sometimes even hearing that is scary. Like, mm. you will survive this. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's, it doesn't manufacture hope. Mm. And what I like about the way that you shared what you went through is it's like, okay, here's what I was feeling. Here's what I'm doing that helped me. And now you're killing it. You know, so to me, I like this story because anybody who's struggling with panic attacks or anxiety or whatever can look at an example of a functioning, happy, successful human being who 
who has struggled with those things, but triumphs despite it. And I like that so much more than the narrative of, oh, you can get through it. You'll figure it out. And it, there's no roadmap for that. You know, like yeah. you, you're even like recommending books and stuff. I think, yeah. I think no matter what problem someone has, there is, there are multiple people out there who have gone through it, triumphed through it, not just survived, but are just killing it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love your story. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. One th- one third of all people on Earth at some point in their life will experience a panic attack. Wow. And for a for a pretty big percentage of them, they will develop panic disorder. And actually, anxiety disorder is, I, I'm. We may want to fact check this, but what I was last reading is that it's the most common mental health problem on Earth. I believe that. Yeah, it's like yeah. one in seven people have yeah. some form of anxiety, uh, some sort of like anxiety-related disorder. Yeah. So, you know, it's just I think that sharing that story and like kind of finding my tribe in that way has been more powerful than you know anything I've ever done because something I was thinking about recently was like you know I shared with you my story of how I started with like no clients and got to where I am right and to me that journey although it took many years and a lot of hard work that journey was like easy to figure out it was just like work hard keep climbing Figuring out how to deal with my anxiety and panic disorder was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, like legitimately, because there really isn't like a super clear roadmap. You kind of have to figure it out for yourself. And in order to get better, you're going to have to experience a lot more discomfort in the journey of healing. So you have to like really lean into fear and just a lot of scary things that you, your body is telling you like, oh, we don't want to experience this, but it's the only way to get better. I mean, even doing stuff like this for me makes me like a little anxious sometimes. But now I know like, oh, this is good for me. Like I need to lean into this feeling. Oh, yeah, 100%. So now like when it was happening to me, I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. And now I see it as essentially like the greatest gift I've ever gotten in my whole life because it brought clarity and focus to my journey for the first time in a way that I had never, you know, like I was kind of just going through the motions and this, this like really laser focused and brought so much clarity to my journey and like what it actually means to be present and what it actually means to go towards fear, not just with panic disorder, but every aspect of my life. Like now I see fear differently. Give me an example. Just anything that scares me, in terms of like learning new things about storytelling or making videos or going after a project that I, you know, I start giving myself excuses why I shouldn't do it. I'm like, oh, this is all that same bullshit I learned with panic disorder. It's like you ha- you actually just have to run towards that. So now I see, always see that the answer is on the other side of like your, your biggest fears generally, I think, are trying to show you the direction that you need to actually go towards. Today's episode of Beyond is brought to you by MoonPay. MoonPay is your portal to Web3 where you can transact with peers globally and own your digital identity. MoonPay makes it fast and simple to jumpstart your Web3 journey. Quickly use your debit or credit card to buy and sell crypto and purchase digital collectibles. Visit MoonPay.com to get started. 